That's got to go at the start of the podcast. <laughs> other than dogging, there was plenty of other things to do. Repeatedly, <laughs> blindly grasping into the darkness. The strange look on my face. You know what, actually, weirdly, this reminds me of a time when I was much younger. That's all we need to touch on that point. I'm sorry, you just dropped this in that you watched a ship burn. It epitomised everything that you thought of the South Coast of France. Keep your camembert, bugger to your brain, forget your fondue. That was insane. Hello and welcome to What's in Matt's Head with me, Matt Head. This is a podcast all about travelling. Really, it's just a few minutes talking about travelling back when it was possible. Unlike now, when the most exciting thing I can do is chat about a road trip of Europe that happened a few summers ago. Which is what this is. It is my attempt to escape from the boredom of lockdown by chatting about that crazy trip and share it just in case anyone wants to know that too much sangria is bad Aquariums can be disappointing, and Monaco is no place to drive a 40-year-old Volkswagen camper van with no handbrake. Hopefully this show will contain some funny stories, some good travel tips, and some weird facts as we retrace our steps through 12 amazing countries, 18 incredible cities, and the outstanding mountains, lakes, and seas between them. Joining me as usual are Will and Charlie, and in this episode we are cruising along the sun-drenched southern coast of France in search of beautiful beaches spectacular cities and anywhere we could get away with parking my old VW bus and it did not start well at all did it well nah mate no it didn't it didn't to be fair <laughs> it didn't this, how, this is how everyone has started so far and it didn't start well did it will they never start well it always it always starts with us getting quite lost me losing my rag and then me blaming barn even though it's probably my fault for taking the wrong turn or something it's, it's basically the start of every single segment of our trip was like the end bit of an in-betweeners episode. It's just it's just calamity after calamity, and it just leads one into another. But uh, on this occasion, it was Bastille Day was the main parking nightmare difficulty. Uh, my first memory of Bastille Day actually comes numerous numbers of years before our school French trip. We we were looking out the window of the hotel and some people were letting off fireworks mm. in the car, which I didn't think was very good. Um, probably wasn't good for the car either, but that was my first memory of Bastille Day with the fireworks. And yeah, it continued with this one as well. We, we, we were driving through this little town and just... All of a sudden, the sky just lit up with all of these different fireworks. And it was, it was quite a spectacle sight to see. It does make it a little bit difficult, though, to navigate because you are looking at the sky. And so you're not really looking where you're going too much. I, for one, had no idea that it was Bastille Day. I don't really know how you can manage to be in France and not know about it. But I did. But I've since brushed up a bit. I know that Bastille Day is the annual celebration of the storming of the Bastille, which happened on July the 14th, 1789 and really is the symbol of the start of the French Revolution. Back then, everyone in France was a bit starving and pissed off with King Louis for spending all their money on funding the American Revolution, so they had their own one and eventually attacked the Bastille prison for guns and gunpowder, and it all got a bit rioty. It is a massive day in France, kind of like Independence Day for Americans, or I don't know for Britons, a royal wedding on Guy Fawkes night. We don't really have our own version of it. Anyway, there are plenty of celebrations and fireworks and stuff for a revolution which really didn't work out too well, just led to more wars and the terror in which at least 16,000 people got guillotined, including the king and queen. And like most revolutions, just replaced one authoritarian regime in King Louis with another in Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte. 
The big bonuses that did come out of it for the world were the spread of the principles of equality and liberty and fraternity and all that jazz, but for us it just meant we couldn't find anywhere to park for the night, and I got closer and closer to driving into the sea, but couldn't find that either, so I just drove about in a rage at the shambles that's French parking and a stupid love for two-metre height restrictions. Yeah, it's, it's, another one, it's another one of those where the VW camper van is just, like, it's slogan is the fact that it's this vehicle that can take you all the way around the world and all this and that but in france and every single other country we went to in europe these two meter high wooden barriers just put a stop to that and they absolutely stop the vw from being able to go anywhere and be park anywhere as well particularly in that wherever that town was that we did stop in it's every single beach place had this two meter high barrier that just just wouldn't let any campers in or anything it's very effective in what it did but it, it was frustrating but no, i was also i was i was interested as well like why does anyone know why the french did use guillotines um i think they were trying to take the torture element out of it and trying to make the deaths a bit more sudden and humane but I think it's actually a British invention, as famous as it is for being French. I think it actually started in Britain. But yeah, they got pretty fond. I mean, it still ended in death, so it wasn't really that humane. And they did kill a lot of people in the terror. So um, it probably wasn't the best thing, but I guess it's... I don't, know, I don't know if it's better than being hung. I haven't tried either of them, so I can't... I don't know. If you were to try either of them, though, which, which, one, would you, which one would you go for? Well, I think... I'm not sure if the French hung people. I think they went for the old breaking the back on the big wheel as their their like method of torture to death. So I would take the guillotine. It looks pretty quick. I know there's always rumours about people being alive for a few seconds afterwards or like someone blinking like a few minutes later. But I'm pretty sure when you're, you've been sliced, you've been sliced for good. There's no coming back. Ah, that's true. That's true. I probably like, you know, it's, it's one of those where like if, if you are going to be guillotined, you'd, you'd almost want to like just give it a once-over, make sure it's properly sharp, you know, make sure it's going to be a nice, nice clean cut, you know, you don't, you don't want to, don't want them to have a second go or anything at you. I'd rather You don't want a blunt sword, I mean, you know, when it get a few goes, a few hacks at it, just a bit of sinew and stuff. Yeah, I felt like I could have done with it after that drive though. Like, it took us a while, we'd left Barcelona, like, that afternoon, driven for hours, and it got to about one in the morning, and we were still, like, all the roads were blocked for Bastille Day, I guess. They were still trying to piss everyone off then so by by one in the morning when we've gone to about 100 different car parks i, I would have stuck my head on the block i think i was done i was so fed up it's not like i imagined south of france as being endless nice white beaches but instead it was just endless car parks which i couldn't fit in and fireworks and frenchmen just looking at us like we're idiots which to be fair we probably were so right, mate. I would have, uh, I would have made sure the guillotine was sharp for you as well. Well, you know what you should have done. If you had any sense, lads, you would have taken the camper van. You'd have taken it to the guillotine, taken the top few inches off, and then you could have just slid it straight in. You'd yeah. Any car park, you'd have no issues. A little convertible. A convertible would have been nice. It doesn't really rain in Europe. That's what we thought anyway. You were proved wrong on a lot of occasions, but yeah. I mean, if it was a convertible, imagine that. You're looking up out of bed. Lovely view of the sky. It'd been great. It's actually one of the cleverest shouts. One of clever. I don't get why car parks with this wooden barrier don't just put, you know, a nice bit of uh, sharp metal on it and just, if you want to do it, carry on, plug on. You know, have a car parking space, but have the top top half of your car go off. Do you know what? Actually, weirdly, this 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 reminds me of a, a time when I was much younger. I think I must have been ten or eleven, and we were drive. My dad did this thing where he thought it'd be nice for us to all to have a big family road trip. So we drove to Italy and back on our family holiday. Obviously, it went as badly as you can imagine. But 
on our way back, we stopped off in Paris and we had the same issue with the two meter underground car parks. We're trying to go in. Bear in mind, there's four kids under the age of 10 and uh, we've got a roof box on the car. Sorry, just quickly, I'd like to establish for children under 10, are they also under two metres? Under two metres, yeah, yeah, yeah. Under 10 metres. No, under two metres, <laughs> under 10 years old. There we go. So if you want you. to get your head around, I know. But we're in there, we're trying to get into, we go down this underground tunnel, old Volvo XC90, roof box on the top. We're not even close to getting in. Dad's trying to re- reverse this roll, revolver up this ridiculously steep ramp. Then we've got to get out, take the roof box off and put it back in the boot. So we're all loaded out the car. We've got to take all the suitcases out the back of the car. And as we're still on the side of the road, my mum, four young kids, my dad's trying to put this roof box in the back of the car. Some bloke hops in the front of the Volvo and just tries to nick it and drive off in the centre of Paris. My dad had to go, no, mate, you're not doing that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Tangent over. Let's get back to France. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, back in France, we were busy struggling to find somewhere to stay, but eventually we did, and we ended up in a lovely place called Tamaris, which is probably not how it's pronounced in France, but fuck them. Pardon my French. Um... (laughs) And that place we we spent for a few days because we finally did find a lovely French beach with a car park we could fit in. And we actually found a a few other interesting things in this car park, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, I I think the whole of uh, the French dogging society had found that this car park was the one and only car park they could go to on the whole of the south coast and um, <laughs> safe to say that jurex if they could make commercials they would definitely make one there because the amount of car suspension that was having a good old squeak was uh, quite surreal definitely worth watching and i was probably there for far longer than i should have been but <laughs> is, is this yeah. another one of your accidental navigation errors will <laughs> yeah it was i mean i put it in on google i put it in on google maps we ended up exactly where i thought we would but uh, yeah he'd seen the pampas grass on google images on satellite and was like oh, that's where we're going <laughs> get me there <laughs> desperate time school for def- desperate measures but <laughs> well yeah mate after after two weeks of spooning with matt i can imagine you were desperate for someone else to climb in in the back seat with anyone anyone <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure the the french dog ears got a bit of a shock when they saw me and will pull up next to him and open the boot <laughs> Do you reckon they actually call it in Do you reckon they call it dogging or do you reckon they call it shienning? I, I, I generally don't know which one. Uh... <laughs> I think shienning's better. Shienning does sound better. Like, you know, it almost sounds like you're going off to go do some like fancy washing or something. Just going down to go do some shienning. It yeah, doesn't well, sound like, yeah, like embroidery. Exactly, exactly. It doesn't sound like you're going to be going there and wrecking for night for an 18 year old sexually frustrated male. <laughs> There you go. If there's any any of our French doggers listening, get in touch and let us know what you call it. Yeah, if you happen to be in a village called Tamaris on the 15th of July in 2016, please get in touch if you saw a big red van with two very red boys in it. <laughs> such a unique, such a, such a unique <laughs> listener, but we're, we're aiming for it. Seriously targeted advertising on this one, boys. <laughs> yeah, other than, other than dogging, there was plenty of other things to do on the beach and it was a good excuse it was the, f- <laughs> the first time that's, that, that's got to go saying... at the start of the podcast that's got to go at the start of the podcast <laughs> other than dogging there was plenty of other things to do <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you're saying it 
you say that as though like it's some trip advisor things to do in South Coast of France, go, go dogging. Yeah. Aside from that, please also go visit our beaches, go visit our lovely sunny locations. Mainly just come for a dogging. Yeah, I don't think I'll be getting a job at the at the Tamarist Tourist Board anytime soon. But yeah, not the smoothest transition. But there was other stuff to do other than the dogging in that lovely French town, including kayaking. It was the first time we got our kayak out. It's been sat on the roof for most of the trip well it, it was sat on the roof we didn't get it out too often we thought we'd be paddling down the canals of venice but we didn't get around to that but it, it's first outing did come in tamaris which was lovely yeah i think uh, i think for me Tam- tamaris was really the first bit of like ideal south coast of france scenery absolutely unspoiled lovely uh place beaches pretty much by and large to ourselves other than a few doggers and just perfect clear sea uh really nice warm sea and i think i think that for us was really quite nice after all of all of spain and stuff just good to have a bit of a relaxation be able to chill out and actually do the other things that we enjoy doing Mm. like the more adventurous side of it so definitely um being able to enjoy uh cycling kayaking also uh having first proper stab at cliff dive as well which uh yeah it was great great fun i think it was it was needed at that point as well to have a little little bit of a chill after the first few days yeah i think all the frustrations of trying to find a nice beach in france which you'd, you'd imagine like it would be pretty easy to hear a lot of things about the south coast of france but it took us a long time to find a nice beach but when we did it it certainly was worth it like we said a lot of kayaking a lot of biking we did cycling around and then a lot of cliff jumping as well which you just can't beat it's such a simple but such a nice activity i absolutely love it just climbing up these rocks paddling up to them and then jumping off yeah it's always interesting with me with cliff diving is just why when you jump off you literally feel like you're going for ages like minutes at a time but realistically it's about a second or two seconds i've never quite known why that is so apparently humans are only born with two fears and one of them is loud noises and one of them's falling so it must like obviously it takes will a long time to take the plunge when he's still at the top it takes him a while to sum up the courage it'll take a few five-year-olds to show him up and then he'll take the dive himself but that natural fear of falling I guess kids don't really have it because they're too stupid. Probably goes the same for me as well, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> you're too stupid as well, Mort. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's evidence that I said it myself, isn't it? But yeah, I think that fear of falling, but the feeling of falling itself, like then landing safely in some nice blue water, well, sometimes occasionally on a rock if you get it wrong. But I don't know, I could do it all day and I did do it all day and all day after that and all day after that, it was spectacular. Yeah, I think I think definitely that for me was one of the highlights was was that time cliff diving, um, just literally jumping off as you said, probably realistically one meter, two meter high um, rocks into the water. But um, no, just just being able to like have 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 the experience and also um, have the chilled aspect as well of mountain biking, just walking about and just chilling on the beaches. That definitely for me was one of the highlights from the trip actually and also came from Tamaris as well we had we had that chance where we were able to actually chill out in the evenings and stuff and we were drinking a few beers on one occasion and uh, we were sat down right on the edge of the rocks and we were looking out on the sea and just like how nice it was and how romantic it was uh, after a couple of weeks spent together in such cl- close proximity you probably do get a little bit more, r- more romance than you do expect but especially <laughs> with the dogging <laughs> Uh, well for us or for other people but uh, yeah no it's definitely no comment 
we had this one occasion where we were sat down drinking a few beers, uh, drinking a few Desperados, and we were looking out on the sea and just looking at this boat which was on fire. And it was it was just such a surreal moment, but such a, such a <laughs> nice moment for us, like being completely out of danger, not being able to help in any way whatsoever, and also not knowing how the health, the how the safety, how the general well-being of those boat people were. I'm sorry, you just dropped this in that you watched a ship burn <laughs> burning shit probably with tens of people on it what happened it's a bit of a weird one because like we saw it on fire and we we're like what do we do <laughs> obviously like it was quite far out like it was just a blaze it was like watching a star or something it was really satisfying it's not like you could just watch fire I, I, I did i did you know i up and thought is it is this within a suitable paddle paddling distance but uh quickly realized it was beyond beyond my eye range and so and so yeah it was definitely out of range for that yeah we had the kayak ready to go but it, it tends to sink after half an hour because i'm not very good at remembering to plug in the air holes but yeah this boat was just on fire a bit far out for us in our deflating kayak but we're like you just presume that someone else is doing something about it <laughs> it just kept burning it must have had so much fuel on board and it just wouldn't stop i know we just sat there watching it i think i think our motto really was that we couldn't do anything so why why not enjoy it with a couple of beers and uh just hope that everyone's all right really and that's what we did we did we literally just sat there we drank a few beers we drank a couple of beers for people on the boat and yeah we watched these lifeboats these, these lifeboats with their little sirens started going out to it and uh it was it was quite it was quite a cool scene actually yeah uh, i think one or two or maybe three uh, lifeboats went out and uh, it, was, it, was, it was great to watch as well. It was great to watch and it, it was extra nice to have a few beers to drink whilst we were watching. That actually sounds wicked. That sounds so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just nuts. You could, only, you could only very faintly hear the squeals and shouting of the people on the boat, but, you know, it didn't really, didn't really wreck the experience for you at all. <laughs> it was a massive fire. Like, I doubt that I can't believe, like, I've never seen anything like it. It was no trifle. Like, it was serious stuff. Yeah, it's, you can't change it. There's no point stressing about it. That was interesting, but I would say the biggest disaster to have happened in that sea happened the next day when uh, I did decide that it'd be best to do some washing up in the ocean and uh, completely forgot that the sea is salty and has a huge amount of salt in it. And I mean, I did, I did get the plates clean. The plates were clean at the end of it, but that meal that we had that evening, nice bit of pasta with a uh, huge amount of salt was, was not that <laughs> Yeah, ev- eventually the, the plates did dry out and what was left was obviously the salt, but being as terrible cooks as we were back then, we didn't have any seasoning with us. So it was quite a nice addition. Yeah, actually, I think it was a bonus. Mate, it's a new way of cooking. It's innovative. Season the plate and then put the food on top. Genius. It's genius. That's, that's what eighteen-year-olds are bringing to this market: seasoning a plate with salt. It is wonderful. Yeah, our time in in Tamaris was a particular highlight of the trip. I do remember really well. But I think the next beach we got to pips it for me because that was insane. We struggled through around the coast in the hunt of more beaches. We found a couple of duff ones. We stopped in Marseille for a few hours and just walked around the harbour. But again, fan life in cities don't go too well. So we gave that a quick skip. And then we drove through this mad thunderstorm. I thought I was going to die a few times, get electrocuted. It was crazy and it was absolutely pissing it down. Honestly, some of the worst conditions I've drove in, it was awful. But at the end of it, it all cleared up and we got to this beach in a national park called Kalonk or Kalank. Don't really, not sure of the pronunciation. And it's just this really dramatic 
like cliffs, massive rocks, great for cliff diving, beautiful white beaches. And yeah, I would go go back to France just for that. It was insane. Yeah, it's amazing. It's definitely it's definitely one that's up there for me as well. And I think I think the thing for me that I find interesting is when I think of the south coast of France, I don't really think of any particular shouty outy names. And I, I think that's the big thing with the south coast of France is that there's all of these little pockets of just absolutely amazing locations. And I know that for both myself and Matt, when we did go to for places like Marseille, Montpellier, Toulon, etc., they're, they're places that just don't offer that much and that's kind of they're in the south of France but they're not really where you would be wanting to go when you do go to south of France but Calanque was definitely one of those places that you got to and the scenery was just so stunning and it it epitomized everything that you thought of the south coast of France and it was just an amazing time that we had there as well. Yeah it goes to show again we've highlighted this a few times and we're only in the first week or two of the trip but my my original method of road trip planning is pretty far off of just picking cities. The places between the cities, like the National Park, where we stayed in Spain that first time. We'll get to some more ones in future episodes. But yeah, van life's definitely to be parked up by a beach rather than by a cemetery. That I'd learnt by then. But yeah, the problem is, again, the parking troubles weren't quite over though. Because we spent a couple of nights in this National Park. And I think it was the second night we got... It went all right the first night. But the second night, there was a German family rocked up. And we're like, yeah, it's okay. Like, no trouble. And then the next morning, we woke up and looked out the window. And we were just blocked in by all these angry rowers who we'd parked in the middle of their, their car park. And kind of ruined it all. And there was just all these angry rowers, like, trying to look through the windows, looking like they wanted to kill us for parking where we shouldn't have been. I'd just like to say as well, they knew that we were inside the van. Just to clarify, they knew we were inside the van, but we peeped, literally peeped our heads out, kept looking at them, but kept shutting and playing like we were dead and just completely <laughs> blanking the fact that we were inside the van. But 100% knowing that we were inside the van as well. <laughs> the van's not too secure. I thought we were about to get beaten up by some potentially very angry rowers or maybe even doggers who knows in the south coast of france and it could have ended very badly for us but yeah like will said we played dead kept peeking out and eventually they all cleared off and i imagine they started rowing it's probably what they were there for so once that was over we were free to enjoy the amazing scenery we were in yeah but again i think i think this part took what was best about tamaris to another level as well it was just so such incredible scenery. Again, the unspoiled sea, huge cliffs that you could jump off and, and just literally you go on these little treks and things. We went on this one trek where we just walked through all the uh, forest and then we went over this little lip and just down below it was this private beach to ourselves. And uh, it's just exactly what you expect when you visualise the south coast of France. And that's exactly what we had. And I think the thing for me was everywhere we went there, there was just an absence of people other than in the car park. And that kind of just made it so much better. We literally were in this amazing place pretty much by ourselves, just doing what we wanted, really. Yeah, absolutely. That's the beauty of it. And I think the kayak really helped as well, because it gave us access to points which you couldn't really get to if you're just walking. So we got to even more private beaches completely on our own. And whilst we were paddling around these coves, we were able to pull up against the walls of the cliff, which were pretty easy to scale and then jump back in. So we spent a lot of time cliff diving there. I reckon we got up some pretty high jumps, like at least 20 metres, I'd say. At least it felt felt like that. So it was pretty amazing until it all went a little bit wrong or very wrong. 
as Matt said, I was starting to shadow Tom Daly in some of my cliff uh, jumping sessions. And with that came a certain amount of confidence and a certain amount of swag and ego, especially when a 10-year-old kid goes and jumps off a bit that you're too scared to jump off. <laughs> and so it came to this time where this 10-year-old kid had showed me up. And so I, ne- I needed to perform. I needed to do a quality jump that delivered everything that was expected of me. And so I asked Matt if I could use his GoPro. And uh, I would just like to say here that GoPro really need to learn to make their devices floatable. However, coming into the story, I strapped the GoPro onto my wrist and it was strapped tight. And Matt did know that it was strapped tight onto my wrist. With it strapped to my wrist, I then decided that I'd jump off and perform a barrel roll in midair and land in a semi semi somersault in the water with small amount of splash as possible. In reality, I kind of belly flopped off the top and and landed feet first hard in the water. And that was the end of the GoPro, really. And that's all we need to touch on that point. We can straight away skip on over and carry on with the story as per. In your dreams. I'm still a little bit gutted about it because I just the photos of that day would have been beautiful, first of all. Second of all, it would have been great for the rest of the trip. When you resurfaced, I was still in the kayak. I was watching him like, come on, Will, you're going to be all right. You can do this one. It's only two meters. You'll be all right. And then he jumped in, bit of a splash, a few kids laughing at him. Probably didn't help. And um, he came up and his face just resurfaced and he looked very sheepish and very guilty, like he'd been caught doing something he shouldn't. And then his hands came up as well with an absence of anything strapped to them. And and I would just like to say to our one Tamaris Dogger listener, if you you do happen to be in the Kalank district at any point in time, please do go down to this cliff jumping spot and have a look for this GoPro. Because what you will see is much despair on my face as I try to go down time and time again to reach the GoPro, which honestly, it must have been, the point where it dropped out, it must have been about five metres deep. Uh, but actually, no, probably 10 metres deep. And I could get down about halfway. So I could get down about five metres to the bottom. And at that point, your ears just feel like they're going to burst. And so you have to come back up again. <laughs> I probably did that. Well, really, I did that enough times to show that I was really putting in some effort to get this GoPro back. But I, I knew from the first one, there was no chance this GoPro was coming back to us. Yeah, after about half an hour of trying, I think we both knew there was no chance we getting it back. We tried everything. We tried the snorkel. We tried holding rocks to get us down there faster. We tried everything. And after, it took us a while. I was I accepted defeat. But then I let I let Will do it for another half an hour more just to annoy him. I was like, it'll make me feel better just watching him struggle, going down, running out of breath, coming up like holding his ears, and then just looking at me really sad and be like, I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> do you just say you were holding rocks to make yourself sink faster? Yeah. <laughs> I would just love to see the amount of effort, the strained look on my face, the rocks pulling me to the bottom and just the look of utter despair and disappointment in Matt's face. <laughs> It'd almost be the perfect just, picture. Yeah, just repeatedly, quality. blindly grasping into the darkness. <laughs> it, it, it was it was almost unfair what was happening to me. It was bullying. <laughs> but no, it goes back to it goes back to it. That spot was absolutely amazing. And GoPro aside, obviously it wasn't my GoPro. <laughs> GoPro aside, it's it's one of those places that I would love to go back to again. And it definitely was a highlight of the trip. Really, was just just how cool the scenery is, and just both Matt and I, as I said, are lovers of adventure. And you are really able to do everything that you. 
want to do there. You're able to mountain bike, you're able to walk, you're able to have beaches to chill by yourself. You're able to go swimming, you're able to go kayaking, you're able to go cliff jumping. It's, it's, it's really got it all about that place. It's amazing. The rest of France was a bit downhill after that. So we left the beautiful beaches of Tamaris and we sojourned up the coast. We bounced through Toulon and towards Nice. It then took us four hours to cover the 13 miles to neighbouring Monaco. And on the way, I'd lost my exhaust pipe as well. So I was sounding like a car that belonged in Monaco, to be fair. It had a nice kind of V8 throaty tone to it. But really, when you turn your head, you see this old 40-year-old bus doing 20 miles an hour up a hill again with a massive tailback behind it. So that wasn't ideal either. Somewhere I wouldn't go back to Monaco because it's an absolute nightmare. Yeah, it's not. And uh, I think that's uh, two points, really. First point is really, there's a bit of naivety from us to drive for 13 miles into Monaco and expect to be able to park a big VW camper van in Monaco, uh, whereas there is a perfectly suitable train for anyone who does want to go from Nice to Monaco. But second, also, I think, you know, for me, obviously, I did have to have a lot of trust in Matt's driving. He was an 18-year-old driving a big VW camper van, 40-year-old camper van. But I think it really showed on that drive to Monaco, actually, that he is a good driver. Uh, the handbrake did fail on a couple of occasions. The brakes are squeaky. They're forty-year-old brakes. The gears are all just difficult to find, impossible, almost impossible to get at some stages, especially first. And you are driving. And at one point in time, we had a Rolls-Royce Ghost. Rolls-Royce Ghost was it behind us or Phantom or something like that? We had all kinds of behind that like cars behind us. It was a nightmare. Obviously, like Will said, it's very naive of us to think we'll just. <laughs> trot up to Monaco, do a quick lap of the F1 circuit and then pull up to the casino, whatever we had in mind, or park up on a super yacht. In reality, it's just everyone tearing their hair about about how you can't move. Me trying to do repeated hill starts in a van without a handbrake when there's a Bentley Anage or a Lamborghini or Ferrari right up your ass. It was one of the most stressful things I've had. It was it was awful. I would I would never want to go back to Monaco. I don't think it it was not an experience I enjoyed at all. Yeah, I think I think for both me and Matt, actually, you know, we've spoken in such fondness about the places like Kalank, like Tamaris and stuff. I think Monaco is just completely not our cup of tea. It's a place that's just tiny, is brick city, basically. And uh, it's just got a huge amount of concentrated wealth and people showing that wealth in really quite ostentatious ways. Um, and that really wasn't for us. There was no rope swing. There was no zip line. So It couldn't be any more different to where you've come from, really, could it? It could not be any more different. No, we just came from little tiny villages with nice quiet beaches, boats on fire that no one even cares about. And we've gone to somewhere, I don't know, 60% the size of Central Park with a third of the people who live there being millionaires. And it's a big tax haven and highest life expectancy in the world. Super posh yachts, incredible cars, all the shops are Rolex and Gucci and brands I don't really heard of because I just wear the same pair of pants seven days a week. And it was just ridiculous. So it's definitely somewhere we did not fit in at all. We hadn't showered for a few days and we just stuck out like a sore bum. No chance getting into the casinos then and you'll get up. No, no Absolutely chance. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They would have they would have sent us to the back door to go do some cleaning or something. That we we were absolutely not welcome <laughs> there whatsoever. Absolutely not welcome. But also I I think we, we didn't really care to be honest. I think for both of us we wanted to go to Monaco to actually experience Monaco, you know, say that we've been there. But once we were there, we were very much so like, you know, 
we can go really we can see these cars in london we can see these yachts in various other places and we don't we don't really need to see the rest of it all the rest of it is actually quite tacky really very much so not to our taste but then again i'm living in an overdraft and i don't have many millions in my bank account so it might be a different story then yeah i think maybe if i won the lottery i might go back but I can say I've, I've checked it off my bucket list. It's not somewhere that I plan to go back to without that win. And it was just to drive around. Oh, Of all the miles we covered, I've now done, what, like 15,000 miles around Europe in my van. Nowhere was even close to being as bad as Monaco. We ended up in Italy by accident because we just couldn't find anywhere to turn around. We just kept going. So, yeah, to get into Monaco, we eventually had to park in like two towns long and then get a train back in to just be disappointed. Just for any of our listeners who are geographically impaired, Italy is only a few miles down the road. So it's not as though we ended up 100 miles away and it was through my navigation error. <laughs> it was it was a short distance across the border. It's not that far. You did think you found us a nice little place to park, though. But in reality, it was just this dead end of a single track road. Some angry Monacan came out to yell at us and we can't park there when leaving us like no other option. So we had to do and a million point turn with this guy just yelling at me in the window. Oh, I could have just guillotined that bloke. I mean, if it was 200 years ago, 300 years ago, he would have got slapped on the block, I think. Is Monikin the correct term? Monikin? No idea. What, I, what, what I highly doubt it. I, Monikite? I prefer, I prefer just to call them all sir and madam, really, was what I went for. I felt, I felt <laughs> lower citizen as soon as I was there. But no, it is, it is interesting with that woman. She... She was completely anti us parking the camper van outside, and we said we'd only be there for an hour or two maximum. And uh, I think she is very much of the opinion, opinion I, I pay an absolute fortune for this place, far more than what I should do. And so you aren't allowed to park outside no matter what. So, Will, 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 Will go there again? Will, Will go there again. Um, there are parts of South Coast of France I would love to go to again Tamaris, Kalank. Um, Levens and the dogging place to name but a few I'd, I definitely would love to go to the south coast of France again I think it is somewhere where I would go in a car I don't think I'd go there by plane and train and because then you're kind of limited to the cities whereas for, for me from my experience with cities aren't really all that all that amazing uh, and it is these little pockets little hidden gems that you do find through traveling on the road that actually really make the experience worthwhile so for me I would go back there again but I Absolutely not to all the cities and town. Charlie, have we inspired you to visit the beaches of the mountains or the glamorous casinos of Monte Carlo? You know what? If I had to choose between the previous two locations and this one, I would choose this one every day of the week. The cliff diving, which is the sort of privacy of being on your own beach and having a bit of wilderness around you. That's the kind of thing that I absolutely love. The thing that I love the most about being in the van was just that freedom find those little places. And, and I would 100% travel around these little towns not to the, the big cities i wouldn't bother with monaco wouldn't bother with nice or Toulouse or like that i just stick to the nice little towns and the beaches and the cliffs maybe see if we can find a gopro or two at the bottom of the sea yeah i, I agree with you both there the the nature and the natural assets of the south of france did live up to expectation when we'd finally found them the beaches that we found the mountains the place to go kayaking cliff jumping biking like you said were possible to beat really i've never really seen anywhere like it saying that it's better than the last two places that's a tough call because pamplona if you're there for the right week is wild would you say there's anywhere at all like that in the divine county of gloucestershire charlie well let me think 
Hello and welcome to Home and Away with me, Charlie, your local guide to finding home away from home. This week, we're going to take a little trip down the M5 and a more draw-dropping landscape you will not find even in the south of France. Cheddar Gorge is dripping with beautiful landscapes. Cliffs in the south of France, you can keep those. These cliffs are to die for. Gorgeous gorges, ordained with mountain goats that will just tickle your fancy. And when you're finished enjoying the fineries that the landscape has to offer, you can take a little trip into town and help yourself to a fine cave-aged cheddar cheese. Keep your camembert, bugger to your brain, forget your fondue because we're having cheddar cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that is my favourite one yet. Yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Yeah, I mean, as far as roads go, driving through Cheddar Gorge, I don't think you can beat it. It is insane. Cheese, like you said, top of the range proper somerset produce and then the mountain goats wow yeah the icing on the cake there that was a good one. thoroughly enjoyed it next week we'll be off to pisa to prop up the leaning tower and explore the rest of the incredible town so see you there in sunny italy this has been what's in matt's head i've been matt head goodbye yeah thanks for listening from will and thank you to the dogger vi- viewer from tamaris it was great peace and love gang Wow, yeah, mate, after after two weeks of spooning with Matt, I can imagine. Possible to beat, really. I've never really seen anywhere like it. I was starting to shadow Tom Daly. Ordained with mountain goats. Uh, It was absolutely staggering the place we did stop at. The thing that I love the most about being in the van was just that freedom and a more draw-dropping landscape you will not find. Beaten up by some potentially very angry rowers or maybe even doggers. Completely forgot that the sea is salty, like for an 18-year-old sexually frustrated male. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can download all the shows we've done so far from Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please get in touch with us on Twitter using the What's In Matt's Head hashtag. If you could leave us a review wherever you've listened to this, that would be great. And if you could share it with your mates, that would be even better. Don't forget to subscribe so that you get all the latest episodes straight to your device. We will be back next week, but for now, goodbye.